0: Hey friend, welcome to the Beauty Inspires Beauty podcast, where we are all about taking inspired action towards showing up as the most confident and authentic version of ourselves. My name is Jess Bergio and I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur Dedicated to sharing the behind the scenes of how others created a life and business of their dreams. Each week, you can count on multiple episodes bringing you an inside look at how you too can create the life and business of your dreams. Life and business isn't meant to be done alone. Join the Beauty Inspires Beauty community where we connect each week to share our goals, dreams, and aspirations every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Welcome back to the Beauty Inspirers Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Bergio. And my favorite line, I'm super excited today because I have a repeat guest of the podcast, which has been happening more frequently lately because... I guess I was so awesome at picking guests the first, you know, 50, 60 episodes that I just, I was so curious a year later, what are they doing? What are their lives up to? I had to stock them all on social media, you know, just see what's happening. And I was so excited to see that our guest today has another book out. Yeah. Can we say overachiever? I'm just trying to keep up over here. Rob Mack, welcome back to the show.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me back.
0: Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. I always love chatting with you because honestly, I don't know another human that has what you have. I have to, I have to read the accolades and titles because you should be properly edified. Rob is an Ivy league educated positive psychology expert. We could just stop there, but he's also a celebrity happiness coach, executive coach, and published author. Like I said, so he is also one of the world's leading experts on the relationship between happiness and success. Pause. One of the things I love the most is that you show up on social media when you're talking about these topics and specific that in your emotion in the real state of the emotion it's not just you happy on the couch doing one of the shows where you're like look at me this is how you'd be happy guys I'm never going to show you the real shit it's just I'm just going to preach it but you're never really going to know what's going on like your car chats are literally my favorite thing that you do because it's you it's like that's what made me fall in love with like I, I gotta meet this guy
1: I appreciate that I mean look That's the highest possible, particularly from you, that is the highest possible compliment that I could ever receive. I really mean that because yeah, like from the beginning, really committed to that journey and to happiness from an authentic and selfish place, quite frankly. So I'm always like, Rob, there's lots of things you can do in the world, whatever you do, make sure you do it authentically, like from the heart and from a place that's very well intentioned. So, you know, I may not always, um you know, deliver messages that everyone wants to hear or that they love to hear. But for me, it's like, if I'm not living it, I don't really want to share it. Like people have enough guesses of their own. So I try to live it and share it from a place of authenticity. So that compliment for you, from you is so high. Like, I appreciate that so much. You don't know that's such a gift.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, but it's true. And it's like, that really is one of the things that shows so big on social media when it comes to People building their personal brand. And you're a great example of that. So if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, I really, Jessica's always talking about building a personal brand. Rob's one of those people that he does a ton of different things. Um, they all come funneling back to his main topic that he loves to talk about, which is happiness, finding inner peace, and being authentically yourself. And truly, until we figure out how to do that and show up as the version we want to be, it, it's not about what somebody needs you to be. It's about who do you want to be? Who do you get to be? Um, And that's one of the things that this podcast has helped me to find for myself is my own voice, again, um, because it's so easy to put yourself in a box of what other people think you should be doing, acting like, saying, all the things. So, you know, I'm sure you could dive deeper into, like, the psychology behind all of that and how we're conditioned as children to do what we're, you know, told growing up. But, you know, to truly be able to figure out what you're most grateful for for and what brings you happiness. um, I I think you've, you've figured that out at least for yourself. Right. And then in your books, you help share that information with people so that hopefully they can find that for themselves too. Right.
1: Absolutely. And it's ironic that you would say what you just said, because for most of my life, I really struggle with that. I really struggle with like, what's my purpose. And I know I'm supposed to have a brand once I discovered my purpose and I'd read every book humanly possible for like 10 years. And I just felt more, more, you know, more and more confused. And then through enough, I guess, living of life and experiences, I just started to eliminate things, eliminate things, eliminate things. And I got to a place where I was like, okay, it feels like there's only one or two things I can actually kind of do at all. And I think when you get to that place, although it can be frustrating and be a little tiresome to get there, once you are there, it's like, well, I'm crystal clear now. It's just this one or two options that are left. So I'm going to lean in and lean into these things hard. So that was kind of my experience. It was like, interesting enough. A process of elimination that came came through a process of data gathering um and it was only once i discovered and was really clear about that um that everything else started to dovetail into that right so it was like it um for me it wasn't as scripted as i would have liked it to be it was more really messy for a long time and then it got more and more clear over time
0: yeah and that's interesting i think your journey reminds me a lot of brene brown and the way that she talks about the things she talks about with like shame and all of that. It's like, I'm sure nowhere in her childhood did she think she'd become the expert on shame and guilt and vulnerability. Like who knew she'd be giving TED Talks on that? Like that wasn't a box you checked when you graduated high school. Like I'm gonna be the expert in shame and vulnerability. Like people are like, what? That's her fucking, that's another language. (laughs) What are you talking about? And why do I need to be that? And why do I need to talk about those things? And, you know, I love that you pull back the curtain and I often feel like those of us who have gone through stuff, um, and and ended up on the other side are so much more relatable. It just is what it is. And you know that's the beautiful thing about this podcast. I always want to pull back the curtain because it's so easy to compare. If I looked at your social media, I'd think, oh, lucky guy, good looking, lives in LA, has a TV show, has books. Oh my God, his life is perfect. He must, he must have come from perfect, right? And that couldn't oh. be further from the truth. And if you guys want more deep backstory, you have to listen to episode 43, where we talk all about this. And he shares a ton of like your childhood and why you wrote the book and how you even got into this, this line of work too, because um, it's such a good episode. But yeah, it's like, who, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that story.
1: Facts. I mean, I took the long, scenic, indirect pain of su- you know pain and suffering you know journey <laughs> and yep. path to get here. And the whole time, I remember just being so frustrated that I couldn't see anything clearly, and nothing seemed to be working out. Meanwhile, this greater, higher purpose that I feel so connected with today was hiding right under my nose the entire time. And now it's so obvious. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, but foresight was blind. You know, it really was blind. So just to your point, you're absolutely right. I think our greatest pain often points to our greatest purpose without question. That was the case for me. Mm -hmm. And it always seems to take longer than you want it to. But one day you sort of look back and you discover, oh my goodness, how far I've come, uh, despite not really knowing what the heck I was doing along the way at all. You know, it's not like, yeah, I think that's the other thing. Everybody thinks, oh, you know, if you accomplish X, Y, or Z, you knew what they, they knew what they were doing all along. Or they got crystal. It's like, no, not really. Like everyone's kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall most days, you know, weeks at a time, years at a time. And some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. And then you sort of post-produce that story by saying, oh, it happened because I worked so hard or I did X, Y, and Z. When the truth is maybe you got a little lucky or maybe this other thing happened. You know, I do think there are some laws or rules or sort of, I don't know, you can set intentions. And I do think that things show up in your life accordingly, but most people are just trying to figure it all out. And most of us don't know what we're doing. We're just doing our best.
0: Mm, thank you for being so raw and real with that. Cause that is true. I'm this. I'm the same boat. Like that's why I do try to showcase just as much of that stuff on social media as I do the good stuff, because I I want people to see how I'm figuring it out. And even though I might be two steps ahead of you, like it's only two steps, but here I am still trying to teach it and show it to you. Like I was just telling him before we, we hit record that I'm going to explore becoming a human design Reader, because I want to learn more about my human design and how I operate, therefore helping me learn how to coach better my future clients. Right. Once you learn how they operate, that's going to help me help them. And then also, the more you can help other people understand who they are and what they're meant to do in this world, you know, this should be a course that we're taught growing up. Like, this is your personality type, whether you believe the charts and all the woo woo shit or not. You know, if we all knew what we'd be really great at, we could then choose to do the other things. But like, if you're meant to be the guide, or if you're meant to be the generator, you're meant to be the visionary, like give people that opportunity to say, that's my position. That's my zone of genius. I'm not going to try to do all the other things.
1: Oh my goodness. That's a major key. It's a major life key right there. You're right about that. That's one of the beautiful things about positive psychology is that it provides empirical support for the point that you just made. that has been made for centuries, really, probably Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of years, which is Don't spend all your time trying to shore up your weaknesses or fighting or resisting your weaknesses. Instead, identify the one or two or three things that you either really love or that you're really good at, and then double down on those things, right? The challenge, of course, in the beginning is that lots of what occurs or appears to be a weakness is actually a strength in disguise, right? It's a strength in disguise. Like me, for instance, I was an empath, very young, you know, as an empath. And thank God for... The personality tests that I took along the way, I discovered that, oh, I'm an empath and I'm a you know nine in the Enneagram and all these things, you know, and um, that helped me to embrace what I thought I perceived as a weakness, sort of, I was able to embrace it and see it as a strength. And then I was able to double down and lean into it in ways that really supported or facilitated both my journey, like spiritual journey or personal development, personal growth journey, but also my sort of success journey, you know, sort of the like, Outer journey. So you're absolutely right about that. I'm glad that you're doing the human design work. I'm going to have to call you multiple times a day just to <laughs> get more explanation around exactly you know my type and everything like that. But yeah, you're right. It's so informative. I wish we were taught these things um, at a much much younger age.
0: Well, And I even wish the key like happiness was the topic of the day at school rather than some of the other like things mm-hmm. that we learn about. You know, it, happiness. You know, personal. being able to personally take care of yourself, your mental well-being, should be a class that is taught from kindergarten all the way through high school, just like math, history, science, you know, because if you can't hold space and take care of your own self, like what value do you have to anybody else?
1: One of my favorite quotes to that point is, um, a person can survive several weeks without food, several days without water, several minutes without air, and not even one moment without hope. Mm -hmm. right and i would argue hopelessness is really almost a synonym for you know unhappiness and we're not taught happiness we're just everybody assumes that you'll just be happy if you can check the right boxes for long enough and please enough people or get enough people to like you or whatever it is and that's of course not the case at all you know we find some of the most successful famous people um the most unhappy or depressed or suicidal i mean when i went through that phase of my life i had a really great life i had health and i had a family and i had a great job and i was making great money and i had a wonderful girlfriend and things were just seemed to be going so well but i didn't know anything about this happiness stuff and i was just drowning in my depression you know so you're absolutely right about that you know um, without happiness nothing really matters and with happiness nothing really matters either right in the other direction so happiness is sort of like this great equalizer in the sense that if you're happy it doesn't matter if you don't have a whole lot of the other things cuz you're happy Um, But if you're unhappy and you have everything, it's like having nothing.
0: Seriously. And that's, I can correlate that to relationships. Like things are popping in my head as you're saying that I'm like, you know, people are in Good or decent, or even maybe what seemingly great situations, but they're not happy. So therefore, they want to place the blame on that person where they're living, the job that they have, the environment of the job, like all of the things. They they just and I've I've done that where I've had to become aware. I'm like, okay, it's not you. It's actually me. Like I'd love to blame you because that is so much easier. (laughs) It's so much easier to be like, you're you're the problem. But when it's when it's you, like then that means you have that requires some work and some level of acknowledgement where you have to be like. What can I do to create happiness in my life? And I think for me, that's why health and fitness and, you know, eating right and learning about supplements and taking, knowing and being able to take care of myself at that level. Once I check all those boxes, if I'm not feeling good about myself, then like, what is it? Is it external stuff? Okay, sure. We can acknowledge that because sometimes it is outside sources, but you are usually the reason that's allowing those things to be in your life. So again, it all comes back to us, right?
1: Just nailed it. I mean, you know, and we live in a society that loves to blame and project and loves to accuse other people um, or other reasons or other circumstances conditions for their unhappiness. And I was a poster child for that for so many years, you know, right? It's like, the part of the reason we're having, able to have this conversation is because hopefully we've grown you know, beyond that and we'll continue to grow beyond that. But, you know, it, you're right. It's like the second that you blame somebody or something else for how you feel, you, in that same moment, that same breath, disempower yourself to do anything about it if they're responsible for the problem then you've also made them responsible for the solution which is highly problematic if you want to change how you feel or you want to feel better or you want to be happy right and then it gets worse because if you're unhappy it's really difficult to make other kinds of changes in your life as well you know we know based on lots of empirical data that the happier you are the better you feel the better you do Right. So you're more creative. You're a better problem solver. You're more efficient, effective, and efficacious as a thinker and as a performer. Right. You get along with people much more, more easily. Other people get along with you much more easily. Right. You experience less job burnout. You do better at work. You're um, more attractive. Literally, people rate you as more attractive, but you're also more attractive figuratively, meaning, meaning that you attract more money. We know that happy people make more money and save more money you know, than unhappy people. So in every way, feeling better facilitates a better life. And if you outsource your happiness to other people, places, things, activities, circumstances, or conditions, you're disempowering yourself to not only change how you feel, but also to change how you do. And that's problematic, right? So you wanna take your power back or realize that you, know, you always have this power to um, control how you feel and therefore control how well you do. Things don't always turn out exactly the way you want or think they should. Sometimes they turn out a lot better. But you won't know that if you don't prioritize happiness and feeling better first. If you prioritize success or external outcomes or conditions first, then you'll continue to find yourself not only unhappy, but often unsuccessful as well.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay. Pause for that to sink in a second. Yeah. If you need to rewind this and listen to that portion again, I encourage you to do so because it is so true and and, and it is, it's easier to be the victim. It's easier to blame and to say, well, it's not my fault or I didn't have any control of that, or I didn't know any better. And I feel like in this day and age, we have an over like whatever consuming of, of, stuff of like there's there's too much information and so if you are letting negative propaganda into your life whether it's through social media you're not listening to the right type of stuff or being around the right kind of people having conversations that aren't supporting if this is your goal to be happy which I don't know whose goal is not to be happy should be your first and foremost goal uh then yeah, you have to take a hard look around who you're hanging out with, what you're ingesting, what type of environments you're putting yourself in. Because, you know, yes, again, some things are unavoidable, but how can you make the most of whatever that situation is, or start to maybe create boundaries around what you will and won't conversate with or or engage in if you're in those situations. Cause sometimes, yes, you might have a career or a job where you it's you have to go to that meeting with that tyrant of a boss. Like, okay, sure. How do you, how do you take care of yourself before you walk in? And then how do you cleanse that out before you leave? You know, so it's again, just being aware of it and acknowledging that, oh my God, I'm not in a shitty ass mood because of no reason. Like I was just overexposed to this toxic behavior. I'm going to learn to go like self-soothe and process this real quick. And then I can go home and be a great husband or wife to my family, you know, and not take that with me. Because I think sometimes we, as a hairdresser too, or anyone who's in my creative entrepreneur space, like we deal a lot of one-to-one with clients and you take in a lot of that energy. And so for me, over the years, I've had to release clients and let people go. But in my early first 10 years of my career, I didn't really realize I could do that. I didn't know I could let people go. I thought I had to take whatever I could get. And it wasn't until the later half of my career that I was like, okay, listen, Susie, every time she comes in, I get anxiety a couple days before I get really frustrated right before she gets there. And then I'm a total bitch the rest of the day after she's gone. No amount of money would make me want to take her yet. Here she is again in six weeks. So it's like, at some point I must've felt empowered by somebody talking about not dealing with clients you don't want anymore. And it allowed for me to tell her, I can no longer book you, but here's somebody I think would you be better suited for.
1: Oh, Jessica, I love that so much. There's so much Ugh. fire. Talk about rewinding. I mean, I think of it, hairdressers as like the OG therapist. Really, they are. I mean, really, they are. Like, and people don't quite realize that, um, but they are. And, you know, you're also right that, you know, there's a lot of noise and static in the world. And I don't need any ha- like help at all being unhappy. I don't think any of us do. We can be unhappy all by ourselves, right, in a corner somewhere. So, If there's one thing I have learned to your point, it's like, if I'm not advocating for myself and my own happiness, meaning that I'm not being selective about what I tune into. So both the external news or the outer news that comes at us from social media and other people's lives and TV, and also the inner news that sort of propaganda that we tell ourselves all day, but I'm not selective about that and intentional around that. And I don't become a selective sort of sifter and sorter of that, of the sources that I trust I'm screwed I'm gonna be unhappy for sure guaranteed and there's this one other thing I've learned it's like most people in fact I don't know anyone who is as interested in me being happy as me
0: <laughs> so that is fact so true. Right?
1: Like, yeah and in a way it's a really great thing you know a lot of us get upset because we're like well so-and-so isn't doing what I want you know and they and I'm not doing what they want it becomes a problem but it's like you know it's so fantastic to be able to let yourself off the hook and let them off the hook and say hey you know what I'm responsible for my own happiness. It's my job and my pleasure and privilege to take care of me. And it's your job and your pleasure and privilege to take care of your happiness. So your expectations are your job. My expectations are mine. We can still love each other, in fact, love each other so much more beautifully and so much more enjoyably if we don't continue either blaming each other for how we feel or outsourcing our happiness to each other or making the other person responsible for how we feel, right? Mm. So, just an important um, point that you're making, which is you want to be really intentional about how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. And as Bill, Billy Bob Thornton said um, so beautifully, he said, you know, your only problem is you think there are rules. You think there are rules. And we have these ideas that we have to do X, Y, or Z, but you can live your life in any way you want. And you don't have to explain it to anyone, right? So, sometimes in the beginning, I know for me, it's really hard to let some of these things go because I was such a people pleaser. And I thought, this really anxiety provoking client, I need to keep, you know, I didn't need to make sure she's really struggling or he's really struggling. And then I discovered over time to your point, maybe I wasn't helping as much as I thought I was. Maybe I was enabling, you know, because not only were they not seeming to get better, but maybe I was getting worse or feeling worse. And now I'm full of this poison and I'm interacting with family members or friends or strangers. And now I'm contagious with this negative emotion and this toxicity that I picked up from this other person this other client. And I would just spread this chain of pain all around the world, Mm -hmm. right? So it's really worth exploring the people, places, things, and activities that bring you or at least encourage you to be happy easily and effortlessly and to schedule more of those things into your life. And then to try to reverse engineer out all the people, places, things, and activities that sort of drain you of energy or happiness. Uh, really important point you're making.
0: Yes, great advice slash just a way and rule of thumb to live your life. Cause I think sometimes we get so caught up in the doing and the and whatever your life looks like, you just kind of go with the flow. But and and sometimes it's hard to enforce boundaries and sometimes it's hard it's hard to let clients go. It's hard to be real and honest and say, hey, listen, this isn't working. You know, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Again back to the people pleasing putting their needs before yours, which is difficult. You don't want to upset people. You don't want to know what that aftermath is going to look like. And and as you were talking and sharing and re-relating it back to the client, it made me think of relationships and past relationships I've been in, ones I've known about my friends have been in and just the clients have shared over 21 years, all of that kind of stuff too. And it's, it's so crazy because we in society, it's like you said, if we check all the boxes and we get all the things and we hit the certain amount of money, then we'll we'll be successful. I'm doing air quotes here or we'll find happiness or then we'll have the perfect relationship or then our kids will be perfect or whatever. And it's, it's often you get to that point and you're like, well, Yeah. Nope. None of that did it. And I have the house, the car, the here, there's this husband guy thing. And then here's my children. And well, nope, that's that happiness isn't there. And so you, you you see it happen in relationships a lot where you're not meeting my needs. You're not giving me what I need. And, and so it wasn't until I was that person complaining and being the victim that I wasn't getting my needs met that someone else shared a similar story, client of mine, Uh, which is the beautiful thing about our industry is that sometimes you do get deep with your clients. And she said she was in a similar boat. And we were both kind of like, we're out the door. Where are you to see these guys later? They don't know who that they got. And she did the inner work. She went home and she said, I had to look at how I was showing up. I was expecting to get something I wasn't giving. And I thought, oh, damn. Okay. You know, it was so simple. I was expecting to get something I wasn't willing to give. It was almost like, well, you do it first and then I'll see if I want to do it back.
1: Oh, that's so good, Jessica. That's so good. You're right. It's like a metaphor that sometimes uses like two beggars in the street, you know, and neither of them have any money and they're really trying to ask each other for money. Like the two beggars don't make each other better off in that way. Like you don't have any money and you're trying to get money from someone else that doesn't also have money. That just is not a solution. That's not a plan or recipe for happiness or for getting wealthy at all. Right. And so to your point, it's, so incredibly important like in a, in love from the inside out the book that i just released i talk about not we all want to be loved but no one wants to love like we all want mm. to be the beloved we all want to be the loved one but nobody wants to be the lover like nobody wants to be first kind of thing you know and so we come from this very sort of needy desperate um empty place where we talk a lot about being in love And sharing our love, but really we're in it to get something out or from the other person. And it's a quid pro quo sort of strings attached, this expectation of reciprocity kind of experience where it's like, I'll give to you if you give to me, right? And the problem with that is first of all, we all kind of suck at meeting each other's needs. That should be crystal clear by now. Okay. (laughs) Like, oh, that's good to know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. We all kind of suck at that. Okay. Like if there's an itch on my body somewhere, I know where the itch is and I'm probably able to, I can tell you maybe where it is. and You can maybe help me. Right. But at the end of the day, I feel strongly that first of all, when you love and you truly love without an expectation of reciprocity, without any quid pro quo, without any strings attached, you just love because you love to love you have already received your reward, which is the love itself. You know how good it feels to give someone, let's say, imagine you're super rich, you come into some money. How good is it to give your mom or a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or like something they've been wanting their entire lives. There's probably no better feeling than that. than like being able to give from that place of true, pure, innocent love, where you just love to give, right? So imagine living your life more consistently that way, where you knew you were always tapped into and turned on to the source of love and happiness and peace that could never exhaust itself, that you could never exhaust, that you could only continue to give from, and you did it only for joy's sake or love's sake or peace's sake alone, right? If you live that way, first of all, no matter, despite whether or not the other person receives it, is it even thankful for it, thankful for it, you've already received your benefit and the reward, which is just feeling so great about it, right? Second of all, if they do reciprocate, how wonderful it is because it's then icing on the cake, right? So you can't be disappointed. And that doesn't mean you let yourself be a doormat, but it does mean that I think we can all experience a lot more love in our lives if we're willing to acknowledge that we are the source of love and not just the receiver, receiver of love, that we just aren't the recipients of love, we're the actual source of love. And other people the channels, they can be channels for our experience of love, but we don't need to depend on anybody to be loving in order to experience love. Like, yeah,
0: so powerful. I- I'm hoping that your book speaks about this because I have several people I'd love to give your book to that I think feel that if they give enough, that they will get back what they need. Versus knowing that they could be the source of love. I mean, I'll just be transparent on this podcast because that's just who I am. the The person that I'm with now that I'm dating, we've been dating like a year and a half. He's very loving, very giving, very like you know he he is all consuming with giving love but when it comes to receiving in a sense it almost feels like there's i cannot meet meet the needs it's like i can never say enough or do enough or show enough appreciation and for someone who actually doesn't i don't need what he i'm not i've i've been rolling solo for so long i i do appreciate you look nice or i love you so much or here's a pretty gift or whatever you know i do love that i do appreciate all that but i equally feel like a lot of times people give what they hope to receive back and that yeah. goes into the love language thing where I'm like "Ooh, like do I do I then have to source this like not authentic version of myself to make sure that the, that person's needs are getting met like where's that it, line
1: such a good point right <laughs> I mean and 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 really you can only answer that question accurately when you're tapped into it and turned onto that source of love itself, right? So so when you're feeling, when you're like in the high-flying sort of vibe and you're feeling, another word for love is happiness. That's an easier word. I sometimes just use happiness. So so when you're happy and all by yourself, we call it happiness. When any of us are happy with someone else or happy in somebody else's company, I call it love. So your happiness shared is love. But your happiness, it's just, you know, within yourself, we call it happiness. So in any case, the challenge for most of us is just what you're saying, which is like, first of all, we've got something that we can call it self-concept theory, but let's say I have a negative self-concept. So if I don't love myself, okay, or I think poorly of myself, first of all, I will only look for, seek out and trust information that confirms my negative self-concept. That's the first problem, right? So if I think poorly of myself, you can say all the most wonderful things that got me in the world, but I won't be able to receive it. I will not be able to receive it. And I won't trust you when you say it. I'll think, oh, she's up to something, or she's just saying it to be nice. or She's my girlfriend. She has to say it. There's that piece. The second piece is not only can you not receive it, you also can't give it in a way that's authentic and without strings attached or without any expectation of reciprocity. So you don't really give, you're kind of giving to get. It's really just about getting. So That's the second problem. So if you really don't truly, genuinely, deeply love yourself, you can't not only receive love, you also can't give it properly. That's why self-love is truly the best love. It's the greatest love in a way, because when you truly love yourself, you love everybody else automatically and easily and effortlessly, you do for any other reason that it feels good. You love the cashier and you love the, you know, the ballet and you love, you know, the ex and you love the in-laws. It's like not for them. It's for you because it feels so good, right? So to the point you're making, which is a really poignant one, it can be challenging because on one level, you can tweak your love language. Sure. Speak to the other person's love language. I believe in all of that. Yes. Try to do it in an authentic way. And also you can't ever fill up a bottomless cup. You just pour in and it pours right out. It does. It. It's like in one ear, not the other because they can't receive it. They're not in a place to receive it because they haven't done this other piece, this sort of work piece, the inner work piece around self-love. Yeah. Um, so you're making a great point. And I think we've all experienced that.
0: Definitely. And that the empty bottomless cup is a great analogy for that too, because it's, or it's almost like becomes an addictive thing where it's just never enough. Like, you know, rather than it, like, let's give an example of like something I've experienced in the past, right? The expectation of when someone comes home, oh, you're home. Oh, big hug. Instead of just saying, oh, that's so nice. Like, it's like, I really wish you would hug me like this more In, in the tone of, you don't do it enough versus like, this is so wonderful. I love this. Thank you for giving me a second of your time. Like I, I wish we all again could study this so that we could be more well received when it comes to the, like expressing our needs as well.
1: You are such a living life, Jessica. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I get shivers really. I mean, it's incredible the wisdom that you share and you share it so easily because you've lived it clearly. That's a huge one. And it's interesting how much, I do try as hard anymore, but how much convincing I would often have to do with like even clients who came to me for that reason. I would say, look, I know you want to lean in and focus on everything that's wrong about what this other person is doing or how they're not doing enough. And I promise you for most of us, that's highly discouraging. It's disincentivizing. It's demotivating. I don't want to do it now. You just basically complain to me and nag about this thing and you want me to feel authentically excited to do it. No, I'm not going to feel that way. No, nope, human beings don't really work that way. So to your point, positive communication is everything. It's like, How can I say what I want to say in a way that applies this acronym, this THINK acronym? So before I speak, THINK. How can I say what I want to say that is as true as I originally meant or intended to say it? That's the T. The H is helpful. How can I say it in a way that's even more helpful than I was going to originally say? I is inspiring. How can I say it in a way that's even more inspiring than I was going to originally say it? And only say what's necessary. So if this is the 99th time they cheated on you and you're still with them, try not to bring up 98 like the other 98 times. It doesn't help, even though I know you want to say it. and It's true. It doesn't really help if you're trying to smooth things out. And then K is kind, right? So if you can just do that, another way of saying that is try not to beat the drum or focus on what's not going right or the problem. Instead, try to look at the opportunity that exists to deepen the connection you already have. Or to trust each other even more. If you can sort of start from that place where it's like, this is something that's already in motion, even if you feel the person is lying to you all the time, there are still moments when they're honest. So just say, hey, I want. To, I would love to talk about how it can support us in having an even more transparent relationship, one that we feel even more connected. As connected as we feel already, I'd love to, the idea of, you know, just feeling even more connected. What can I do about that? And then celebrating the moments in which you have felt connected or that you know so it's huge this positive communication thing Jessica and you spoke to it so beautifully it's something that I don't think we can over ever overemphasize.
0: I don't either or over talk about and share. And it's like if your true goal is to, you know, share space with somebody or to like have deeper relationships, you have to be able to talk about these kinds of things. Otherwise what you're left with just surface stuff. And it's like there that the, yeah you could love yourself all day long, which I think is part of the not, I almost called it a problem, but I feel like for me, I discovered a path to self-love so long ago that, um, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I thought I because I was good, I could help other people be good, like, and find theirs. And, and you can't, they have something that you have to find all on your own.
1: Well, and- that's just it. Like, um, I too, obviously we both love teaching through words, but, um, we, I discovered I can teach much better through my living, shining example, and I can show folks better than I can tell them, right? And it's also not even always either my job, even though I'm sometimes hired for it, or my pleasure or privilege um, to tell people what they should do or how they should live, right? And if something's not working for them, I'm convinced life will continue to deliver experiences that let them know that more and more clearly. I mean, sometimes we all just need more suffering, you know? and I don't wanna get in the way of that. Like I want, if someone is ready, to be relieved of their suffering. I want to help in every way I can. If they're not ready and they're still enjoying their suffering, good for them. That's where they're at. It's great that's a choice. We all have personal freedom there. So I don't want to get in the way of that. I don't want to enable an addiction to the misery or an addiction to the, you know, worry or the anxiety or an addiction to external validation. I don't want to get in the way of that. If that's your thing, hopefully it'll work for you. And if it doesn't, Life will continue to show you the ways in which it isn't working, and then at some other later point, you can come to me or Jessica or someone else, and it can be helpful. But I'm clear about that. Like you know, um, everyone has their own path.
0: I cannot. You are an empath, and I think my energy must have spoke to exactly what my past. I'm like cracking my knuckles because it was like almost like you're a psychic. The last situation, my father, my son's father was that exact situation, the exact person you just described in the, you must need more suffering in order to understand and the accolades and the outside, like I could see it from afar and I would speak to it and, and, and acknowledge like this, that's not the path to happiness, knowing the person I know of you. And I don't have the answer of how you should be, but I just can see that that's not, you're not happy doing those things. You say that's what, but it's like so apparent to everyone else. A lot of times we can't see our own shit. Like that's why it's good to seek outside help and counsel and people that you trust that can help guide you. If you're feeling any of this or relating to any of this story, like reach out to Rob, send him a DM. He can either direct you and you know, if you need deeper, you know, help or whatever, but I know that you work with people doing this as well, um, and help coach to some of this stuff. And I I think we all know somebody like this, or we were either that person or you are, or maybe you're with somebody like this, or you're working in a relationship, or maybe it's a parent or a sibling or somebody that maybe you don't not want in your life, but you have to find a way to kind of work with them. And for that particular person, I had to go away so that he could then live his path of suffering, which to say that sounds so awful.
1: Yes. And you, you, and this is why love deserves a deeper dive, because right to your point, all of us would feel that, all of us, all of us have felt that way, that, that if I am not drowning or suffering with this person, I'm not loving them. That's not true. That's not true. Often when we're suffering with that person or we're drowning with them, we are only enabling the suffering. We're only continuing it and deepening it and keeping it going quite frankly, okay, and sometimes we can better love people from a distance, you know, and we can better support them from a distance, and we can better support them often by getting out of the way of their journey, and what they need to experience for themselves, right, part of that also means understanding that, you know, most people aren't looking for advice, they're looking for an accomplice, okay, you know, and that even I've even discovered that in coaching, like people will hire me for, you know, like give them advice. And then I'm like, oh no, they're not, they just, they want an accomplishment want a cosign or whatever they're up to. That's okay. That's what, I'll meet them where they are. You know, it's okay. I'm not, you know, Lord knows. I, who knows? I don't know what's in my best interest half the time. Why do I think I know what's in somebody else's best interest, right? Now I have enough experience over the years to discover the things that mostly weren't or won't or haven't worked for me and most of my clients, but maybe you'll be the outlier, fine. But you're right. And this is especially true with family members. Like are people, the people closest to you um, with that expression, the only place a prophet isn't received is, her, is his or her own hometown, right? Their own hometown. So, another way of saying that is like, that's just Jessica. Jessica, we know Jessica. That's just the hairdresser. She's the, the podcast host. Who's that? That's just Rob. He's just, you know, a psychology guy. Or that's just Jesus. He's the carpenter's son. That's just Buddha. He's the ascetic, right? It's like there's always a way to kind of like rationalize it away. When somebody's so close to you, they can't hear you in the same way. Like a stranger will come up to me, saying, "Oh my gosh, that was so wise what you shared." And meanwhile, I might have a really close friend that says, "Ah, oh, I've heard that before. There's nothing good there, Rob. I don't know what you're talking about, or whatever." Right. So that's the other piece of this is like you know the only place where a prophet isn't received often is his or her her own hometown. It's fascinating.
0: That is just. I gotta, I gotta listen to this episode back, like right after I'm done with this. It's just like, it's so deep. It's so much deeper than we ever want to give acknowledgement to in the sense of this requires self-awareness and work to know. And, and, and just as you said that, like he did, like after like we separated and things happened, like he wouldn't have gotten to the path he is on now had he not suffered more. Like a lot more decisions happened that then I was like, holy shit, you know, and then they happen and I watched the evolution and now he's sober and they, like, all these things ended up happening. And then I'm like guaranteed if I was still in the mix, like that nine times out of 10 probably wouldn't have happened. So, and you, and you see that and it's like, man, uh, we think we're so powerful, like, oh, I can help somebody. And I see a lot of women try to play those roles in relationships where they see the potential or they see like the promises, but the actions aren't backing it up. And, you know, they stick around and deal with stuff. And it's probably why a lot of times you see relationships happen. And all of a sudden, they finally break up. And then that person goes off and marries somebody right away. Well, like they knew better, they locked him down before they could run away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, needed, they needed an accomplice. And I, I, I felt that I was, I was playing that role often with friendships or you know, bosses are you know, different situations where, yeah, it really was. They just wanted, you know, an accomplice. That's a really profound way to describe that. And same with coaching. Like we seek the information we want to find.
1: You nailed it. That's exactly right. And that's a major theme that's been woven into this entire episode. I mean, we do. And so that's what you got to be careful with confirmation bias. It's um, very uh, often like cloak and dagger. You know, you don't notice it on the way in. It's like, You're feeling soothed by something and it seems like it's going to be, you know, whatever. And then you find out later, oh my goodness, I was actually getting my own way because I wasn't willing to explore an alternative way of looking at things or thinking about things or talking about things, right? That's all it's about. It's just like, you want to be open, be open. It's fine. Um, I say this to myself often. I try to say it to my clients and friends. I say, look, I love being wrong if it means you being happier, like whatever that means. Like if it means you being more successful, I want to be wrong. Like, please I can take being wrong. If you're going to be happier and more successful, that's so great for both of us, right? So I've tried to come to a place and I think sort of life does it on its own, but where, I mean, increasingly it's like, I'm crystal clear. Um, I don't know a whole lot. There are a couple of things I know. And I love existing in that don't know space because when I'm in that don't know space, something generally comes through that's so much more insightful and wise and helpful and supportive than anything I could have come up with is very human Mind and all this discursive thought, it's like, well, it's inspired, it's in spirit, it comes from a deeper source of all knowingness within you. So, yeah, it just gets important, I think, for all us to come to a place often where you know it's nice to have answers, okay? It's nice to be clear and know exactly what you want, be able to script it all out and plan it all out. But life has its own logic, and if you can kind of lean in to that a little bit and spend more time in your spiritual practice, your personal growth practice, often for me, that means just quieting my mind and listening from a deeper sort of place inside, I discovered that that place of, I don't know, provides answers that are so much better and more fulfilling and more effective than anything i come up with on my own.
0: Yeah. We, because we, we claim the I know situation to make ourselves feel safe because saying, I don't know, doesn't really feel safe because if you don't know, then you don't know the outcome. And that's why a lot of times people don't try for things or they don't put themselves out there because like a lot of women, especially we need to know the answer. I don't I know the plan before I say yes to the thing, <laughs> like, you know, yes. and it's like when we don't release that control and just trust in the love that you, the way that you show up. I mean, that alone, I don't realize I was doing that often more often recently. And it's allowed for the most incredible people to have found me recently. Like, I feel like I've been trying to do things the hard way through force and through expectation of if I do this, then this will happen. And when I just pulled back and I was like, I released control on how it needs to happen, how, who it's going to happen with and all the things, you know, my hands were so full of things I was trying to force that I finally just let it all go. And like the, all these things started happening and I'm like, God, fuck, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> they say this is what happens, but it then it, and it happened. And mind you, I'm 41. So like, it took a minute. I didn't just wake up and manifest this shit. I didn't just think it and have one intention. And then this, this stuff happened. Like I had to try on all the wrong stuff first to get and find my way here.
1: Oh, it's so good. So, first of all, you're not 41. You're lying. Uh, yeah. You are years, at least 10 years. I, I will also say, um, to your point, gosh, I love this point so much. Like, um, that has in my life been a challenge too. And I thank God for moms and for close friends. I mean, the best things in my life have been unplanned and unscripted, and I mean totally unplanned and totally unscripted. And they've often come right on off the heels of me trying to force. Thousands of things, none of them really working. And then me coming to a place and like sort of surrendering and say, you know what? My life is pretty good the way it is. Actually, I really love my life the way it is. I don't need these things to work out. It's fine. Let me just embrace where I am, really accept or love where I am. It'll work out in time. I kind of come to a place of surrender and then boom, the phone call happens, the email happens, you know, checks, shows up in the mail, whatever. So you're right. So there's a piece to this and you spoke about it a little earlier too, which is like this like conditional confidence thing. And that's so big. I think we often experience like a conditional confidence, conditional self-love, conditional love. And I think it's worth like exploring and maybe letting that conditional confidence thing go for all of us. And I know that um, as a person of color, also as women, that could be a real struggle, a real challenge where it's like, we think that we can only be confident if we have good reason to be confident, but we can only be confident if we're really competent or even the most competent. And that's highly problematic for one, the more confident you become or the more competent you become. So the more you know about something generally, the better you get at something, the more you realize how much you have yet to learn or have yet to know. So confidence actually erodes your competence or competence actually erodes your confidence over time for some people. The second problem with that is that competence isn't highly correlated with success in so many work domains and life domains, So meaning that the most skilled person, the most talented person, or the most knowledgeable person isn't always, and is in fact rarely, the most successful one. But instead, confidence is highly correlated with success, right? So what that means is that confidence trumps competence often in many life and work spaces and domains. And if you're especially competent, you're likely to be very low in confidence. So it sounds like reverse psychology, and it kind of is, but if you find yourself struggling with believing yourself or being confident it's often a sign that you're more competent and more knowledgeable and more skilled and talented than you're giving your credit yourself credit for and that's scientifically and empirically supported right it's called the dunning-kruger effect so just kind of keep that in mind all of us like you know you're you want to try to cultivate a kind of confidence that is unconditional that is based more on the fact that you've got a great heart or personality traits or deeper than that that you're one with life or one with God or one with source. Like if you can base it on something like that, then you can show up confident everywhere, even when you're not feeling so competent and you can just as easily say, I don't know with as much confidence as you would say, the answer is four.
0: Mm. just as much confidence.
1: Like, I don't know. I'll find out. Boom. Right. That's the difference. So this is a, I'm glad that you brought this up just because it's just critical. And especially for women, for all of us, but especially for women.
0: I could not agree more, and I think predominantly that's who listens to this podcast, and I'm sure listening you are relating to his stories and what I've shared so deeply, and I hope some of this resonated with you, and you're just kind of taking a moment to become aware of what's coming up, even listening to this, because sometimes things like this can be highly triggering where you're like, Oh fuck, that's me. Oh, Yep. That's me again. Oh, Yep. She's talking to me or she's talking about me or, you know, about my spouse or my person or my boss or my, you know, whatever, whatever it was that came up for you as you listened to this episode, um, just honor that. And, and know, just like through meditation, just become aware of it. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to beat yourself up about it. You just have to acknowledge that that is there and let it pass. Or you can have the choice to, you know, get a little curious and and lean into those things that that felt triggering and you know through rob's books you can you can have a deeper level of understanding what it looks like to find that level of happiness and peace for yourself and you just provide such a great resource for people to explore that the simplicity of life which is to be happy and to find peace within ourselves and that we don't need any external a validation stuff all of that that we've been conditioned to believe if we check all these boxes and then settle down into this little square peg then then we'll have all the things and it's just it's not the case so thank you for doing what you do and spending as much time and, and being so competent in your delivery with the <laughs> confidence to to help us understand that we are you know always the only one in our own way in a good and bad way and that we too can be the the pro, the, the answer to any of our own problems
1: so good. I so appreciate you saying that. I fully received that. I had to work on that. Thank you so much. Um, and I want you to know, like, truly, Jessica, like, I am endlessly inspired uh, by you. I really am. Um, your authenticity, your transparency, your wisdom, the light and the love that you share. You're such a beautiful human mm-hmm. being. and such a beautiful spiritual being. And I'm just so grateful um, to be in conversation with you and to call you a friend. Um, please know how much I appreciate you um, just being in conversation with you, knowing you, um, it's real honor just to continue, um, the dialogue. So thank you so much.
0: It's been so fun supporting each other through social media and just like get you giving me your time for this podcast. Even when I, you know, I still don't feel like I'm anybody yet in the podcast game, but I really wasn't when you first came on an episode again, 43 is the episode he was on first. If you guys really want a more backstory deep dive into Rob's story as to where he, why he is where he is now. It's such a beautiful episode called finding your inner happiness. Um, but you inspire me daily just by showing up. And I think that's one of one of the things that we show up for ourselves first, right? And then we show up because we know other people are counting on us and we hope to bring some sort of inspiration and light into their world, which gives us a sense of purpose, which that can be your purpose. Not this big grandiose, like, what is my life's purpose? If It could just be to aspire to be inspiring. You know, that's
1: the best one. I mean, the greatest one, right? Yeah, absolutely agree. Like, honestly, um, even though in the back of my head, you know, of course, I've got this big purpose. I want to do this and do this and change the world. Really? It's like, I just want to enjoy this moment. Can I just enjoy this moment? And maybe if I can find something that inspires me, I can share it with somebody else. That's plenty. That's plenty. You don't know. That could change a person's entire life. Like one statement, one hug, it can literally change a person's entire life. So thank you for giving us a reminder of that.
0: Yes. And thank you for listening to this episode. And hopefully we changed your state today and gave you some perspective and inspired you to take some action on creating more happiness in your life. If you want some help with that, you can grab Rob's books, which are both amazing. Where can they find those books, Rob?
1: Yeah, you can find... um, Happiness from the inside out and love from the inside out. Everywhere great books are sold, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, pretty much everywhere.
0: Perfect. Easy peasy. Awesome. We'll have all of the extra stuff in the show notes. You guys can go follow Rob and just get around all of his goodness and tell him I said hi and you know, send him some love. If you love this episode, please tag us, reshare it on social. It would mean the world to get this podcast out to more people, helping everybody show up authentically as themselves, because that is really truly what I think my purpose and passion has become. And I'm just gonna lean into that. So it would mean the world if you could help me get that out to more people. And we will see you guys on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, it It would mean so much to me if you could share it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out to more people. So until next time, be you unapologetically.